This episode of Inside the Vatican is brought to you by Crisis, a podcast series about the sexual abuse crisis in the church. Host Karna Lazoya interviews bishops, survivors, lawyers, social workers, and many more to help navigate a systemic problem that has long plagued the church. I know many of you care deeply about this issue, and we've covered it a lot here on Inside the Vatican and on America's Deliver Us podcast, but there's still so much work to be done. So check out Crisis wherever you listen to podcasts. Welcome to Inside the Vatican with America Media. Each week, veteran Vatican reporter Gerard O'Connell and I take you behind the headlines for an intergenerational conversation about the biggest stories out of the Vatican. This week, Jerry is back with an update on COVID in the Vatican. Then we'll talk about Pope Francis's comments on the wave of protests happening around the world. I'm Colleen Deli. This is Inside the Vatican. Good morning from New Orleans, Jerry. Good afternoon from very hot and humid Rome. And I'm now broadcasting from the Jesuit Curia, right on the threshold of St. Peter's Square. Yes, our partners at the Jesuit Curia have uh, kindly let us use their space to record our season this year. So that's great. Uh, And I am recording from my new home studio in New Orleans uh, over the summer, as many of our listeners know. I got married. Uh, What they don't know and what I did not know at the beginning of summer is that my husband got a job in New Orleans. And so we relocated down here over the summer. So we'll be recording from here for now. And your dog is not (laughs) going to bark during the show. (laughs) Our new dog, Vinny, is uh, soundly asleep in the living room. So he'll be good. All right, Jerry, um, let's get started. First off, I want to get a recap from you about what the situation is like with the coronavirus in Italy right now. Um, I think your kids went back to school today, right? Yesterday. Yesterday, five and a half million Italian children returned to school for the first time in six months. The last day they were in school was March the 4th. And uh, the headline in the papers today is, no desks, no professors. Because the government has ordered single desks for every student. But in some of the schools in Rome, they will arrive on the 15th of October. So this was a big problem. And secondly, teachers who have uh, certain health conditions uh, have been uh, advised not to take up the role in school. And so they were to bring in auxiliary teachers, but many of those didn't show up. So there were some classes which didn't have teachers and some where they haven't yet found classrooms because they have each classroom has to have a, a desk, but at a certain distance from the next desk. And they've not been able to find sufficient spaces. Yeah. So it sounds like the reopening process is, is maybe hitting some bumps in the road still. Um, let's look across the Tiber now from your part of town. Um, I want to talk about COVID in the Vatican and what the reopening has looked like there. I, I think that the last time we spoke back in the spring, uh, the Vatican had had, had had nine cases of COVID-19. Um, what's the situation now? Are there, are there any current cases? There are no uh, cases with people having the COVID right now. There were a total of 12 in the Vatican. Uh, and uh, Many of them were lay people who were living not in the Vatican, but in Italy, and who would travel to work every day. Right, who were Vatican employees. Yes. 
Now, there was a case of someone who's been in the Vatican recently, uh, who's a top Vatican cardinal, Cardinal Luis Antonio or Chito Tagle, the Filipino cardinal who became prefect for the Congregation for the Evangelization of Peoples this year. Um, He tested positive for COVID when he returned to Manila uh, in his home country of the Philippines uh, after he tested negative on leaving Rome. What's the situation there? Well, he's now in isolation. He's asymptomatic. And uh, it's very interesting. The Philippine bishops asked uh, for prayers to be said for his rapid recovery throughout the country. And surprisingly, the Malacanang, which is the president's house office, like the White House, they issued a request also praying and wishing him well. This is surprising because the president of the Philippines has a very tense relationship with the bishops in the Philippines. Mm-hmm. So as Italy has been reopening, so has the Vatican. Uh, We've seen Pope Francis slowly holding more in-person meetings, and he's resumed his public audiences with a pared-down crowd starting on September 2nd. Um, Jerry, I wanted to ask you something about these meetings, because I was surprised to see that in some of the photos from the meetings and from the audiences that Pope Francis and sometimes the people that he's meeting with aren't wearing masks. So why do we see the Pope without a mask in some of these pictures? In many of the private audiences and what were the weekly audiences from the papal library, uh, you saw the Pope and you saw the various Vatican officials who read in the different languages the Pope's message. They didn't have the masks. But remember, they've all been checked carefully. Yeah, the Vatican, I understand, has some pretty strict protocols. They, They seem to be following Italy's lead. So what do those look like? You cannot go into the Vatican without having your temperature checked and without the sanitizing of the hands. And for those uh, who are working closely with the Pope, they all have to have had, and recently, the COVID test. Mm -hmm. So all those officials who are very close to the Pope, I know some of them have told me it's, it's not a very pleasant thing to have this in your throat and in your nose, but they're very strict. But uh, indeed, the Pope hasn't worn the mask on these occasions. I mean, the famous time when he walked down the street to the Church of San Marcello in Rome, you remember at the height of the thing, he, he, he didn't have a mask. Yeah, last spring. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he, he was distanced from everybody, so they keep the social distance. But on the second audience last Wednesday, you saw the Pope arrive in the car with a mask. Everybody realizes the mask is protection. It's a form of protection. In a way, it's a form of love for your neighbor. And uh, he, he, he wants to also give a good example. All right. So we will keep our listeners up to date here on Inside the Vatican on uh, cases of COVID in the Vatican and also how the Vatican is managing its reopening. You can also read ongoing coverage at americamagazine.org. Around 150,000 people marched through the streets of Belarus over the weekend, demanding the authoritarian leader step down. Immigrants on the Greek island of Lesbos demonstrated for a second day today. Police responded by firing tear gas into the crowds. The migrants are protesting. For our second story, on Sunday, in his address to pilgrims in St. Peter's Square, Pope Francis talked about the numerous protests that have been happening all over the world in recent months. We've talked a lot on the show about how Francis sees this moment in history as a turning point, as an opportunity for conversion. And he said in his comments on Sunday that these protests are an expression of the unease that comes from difficult political and social situations. 
Um, so he called on protesters to demonstrate peacefully. And what really struck me was that he appealed to people with, quote, public and governmental responsibilities to meet protesters' just aspirations, ensuring full respect for human rights and civil liberties. Um, Jerry, I know that you thought it was significant that Francis didn't just call on government leaders to listen to protesters, but he used that phrase, those with public and governmental responsibilities. Who do you think he's addressing here? Well, the governmental leaders, uh, those with governmental responsibilities are all, obviously the heads of state, the, the, the those in charge of government, etc. Those with public responsibility, really you're talking about police, the military, uh, the forces of law and order. Which in some cases have clashed silently with protesters. Absolutely. We've, we've seen it. We saw it uh, in Belarus. We've seen it in Hong Kong. We've seen it in, in so many parts of the world. And the Pope speaks about the growing unease of civil society in the face of particularly critical political and social situations. The Pope really he's focusing on those who have responsibility for public order and those who have responsibility for government, that they must act in full respect for human rights and civil liberties. And of course, this isn't happening in so many places. That's right. Um, now, Francis didn't mention any specific protests in his comments on Sunday, but I know that you've done a lot of reporting and spoken to sources in the Vatican about which situations the Pope monitors closely. Um, and so I wondered if we could talk about what protests does the Pope have his eye on these days? Well, the first one, of course, was uh, Belarus, uh, where... At the moment, as he was speaking, the Vatican's foreign minister, the, they call him the Secretary for Relations with States, uh, Archbishop uh, Paul Gallagher, was in the capital of Belarus, Minsk. And that very Sunday, there was great protests. You, you, we, we've seen them on the television. Mm -hmm. Enormous peaceful protests by the people who are contesting the election in August of the president of Belarus. This man has Lubuchenko has been in power for over a quarter of a century, mm -hmm. and uh, for the first time it, there was a real contestation in the election. But he said no; the election was declared more than eighty, ninety percent in his favor, and the people protested for the first time. Even the television people, they walked off. This is a major protest. And the Pope's spoken publicly about the situation in Belarus, right? He spoke very early on about it. And the church there, the Archbishop Kondrusevich, who was formerly in Moscow and now he's Archbishop in uh, Minsk, he opened the doors to the protesters. On The, the protest happened on a Sunday and he, he opened the doors of the cathedral and he spoke out for rethinking the whole election and perhaps having a new election. Of course, this didn't go down well with the president. But he has through his uh, Minister for Home Affairs, prevented the Archbishop, who was visiting Poland, from returning to the country. They have annulled his passport. Hmm. The Pope sent Archbishop Gallagher as his special invite to talk with the authorities of the state and to, of course, speak with the church and encourage the church there. And uh, yesterday, the Cardinal Parolin, the Secretary of State, that's the number two in the, the Pope's right-hand man, said, we want them to let the Archbishop go back. We have asked for it privately, and Archbishop Gallagher has asked for it, and we will keep insisting that the Archbishop can go back. Mm -hmm. 
Uh, You mentioned in your story on the Pope's comments on these worldwide protests that he also has his eye on Greece, where actually the the very refugee camp that Francis visited in 2016 uh, in Greece was destroyed by a fire. It was the Moria refugee camp, and this left thousands of refugees without shelter. So Pope Francis made a statement also on this situation uh, when it happened, and you mentioned in your story that this was read as as a call to Europe to accept more refugees from the region. Colin, I, I, I was in, in at the Moria camp in Lesbos, the island of Lesbos, when the Pope went there. Mm-hmm. And I remember we visited the camp before he 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 he, he arrived. Really, it, it's it's a disgrace. It, it can take perhaps two, three thousand people and it had twelve to thirteen thousand people when the fires were there. I, I I'm not surprised that the fires happened because people wanted to get out. They felt trapped. They felt blocked. Some of them have been there now for some years. Mm. And this gets exacerbated by the pandemic. Absolutely. And the Pope appealed to Europe. And in fact, uh, Europe has come forward a little. Uh, Germany, uh, Chancellor Merkel and uh, France, uh, President Macron, they have said they will take 400 of the children who are in the camp who are without parents, kind of more or less orphans. And they said, we will take them in Europe. But uh, there are thousands of others. Greece is saying that they will build a new camp, but that's not going to be the answer. The people can't live there forever. And there's been clashes between the migrants now who are living effectively on the road and the the police, but also the local people on the island. They're very unhappy at this situation. And they're protesting as well. They say, these people, some of them have got the virus, so we, we don't want them. And you, you can understand the tensions. And so the Pope was addressing this. Mm-hmm. There have also been protests in Lebanon following the explosion in Beirut last month. Um, talk to me about those. What's what's Francis's involvement with that been? Well, this country has about four million people. They have taken in one million Syrians as refugees. And uh, it's been a model for the whole of the Middle East of harmony, despite all the situation. But in recent times, there's been economic crisis. Then there's been social tensions, there's been protests, and then this explosion about, about six weeks ago now, and uh, which was disastrous, and it destroyed so much. Many people left the, the, the city, and many wanted to go out. And the Pope, first of all, sent some aid to the country. Then he sent Cardinal Parolin to go personally there, and I think he himself will go. You think that Francis himself would go to Lebanon right now? Yes, for certain. Even though he's canceled all of his travel? When he can travel. When he can travel, because it's a very important situation in the Middle East. You've got a big Christian community there. You've got relative harmony between Christians and Muslims. Uh, And this has to be encouraged in the Middle East, where you have a situation of great crisis in so many parts. Um, I also obviously read these comments from the Pope on protests uh, in the context of the United States, where there have been these protests against racism and police brutality all summer following the death of George Floyd. And I think we mentioned this in our summer update, but Francis issued a message at that point um, to all Americans back in June that he was following what he called the disturbing social unrest here. And he even said that George Floyd's death was attributable to the sin of racism. And I just I, I can't forget this statement where he said, we cannot tolerate or turn a blind eye to racism and exclusion in any form and yet claim to defend the sacredness of every human life. So you mentioned in your story that the Pope is still following what's going on in the U.S. as well very closely. 
Yes, he's being briefed regularly on the situation in the U.S. And, and remember, uh, uh, when he spoke to Congress, he, he mentioned Martin Luther King. He, he's been very impressed in his life by Martin Luther King and by the, the nonviolent protest and nonviolent movement. And, uh, of course, in the speech to Congress, but also he, on other situations, he's quoted Luther King, Martin Luther King. Yeah, and I feel like we should also mention here, talking about Martin Luther King, that the Pope did stress uh, to the world's protesters nonviolence, right? This He's he's very much a fan of that nonviolent approach. Um, one more place that I know that you follow very closely is uh, Hong Kong, where there have been these ongoing demonstrations. Um, what's going on there? What's, what's Francis' involvement? Well, he's kept silent so far. Everybody knows that... There was this uh, statement which he was going to read in August, and then he skipped it. But the, me- the message was very clear. Meet their just aspirations, he's calling on governments, to meet the just aspirations of people, and ensure full respect for human, and civil, human rights and civil liberties. This is exactly what is not happening in Hong Kong today. And so you can, you can interpret that. He doesn't mention any country, mm. but you can interpret that as also referring to the situation in Hong Kong. We know that he follows the whole situation in Hong Kong and China very closely. And the people there are wondering, why doesn't he say something? Well, it it may be because of the ongoing uh, dialogue with China, but because he hasn't said something today doesn't mean he won't say something tomorrow. Well, and I think that, you know, him including this uh, statement on Hong Kong in the text that was released to journalists, but then refusing to to say it when he was reading from that text over the summer was kind of a, a signal to China to say, hey, I'm I'm paying attention to Hong Kong and I I could have said this. So Yes, some in in China and in Hong Kong interpreted this way. The Pope was letting known what he was thinking, but without saying it. So it sounds like in these these situations all around the world, Belarus, Greece, the United States, Lebanon, Hong Kong, that Francis is watching and he sees the the social unrest and he sees the protests and he sees that there is an element of what what we've been calling what he called just aspirations right that there is there's a call for justice here that he wants to be heeded but without these violent clashes that have been happening and i'm very interested to see what he will write in the forthcoming encyclical and some of these talks like on sunday I, i'm sure they, they will be reflected in some way or other in that encyclical judging by past experiences popes sometimes have prepared and written a serious document and they give little uh, nuggets of the document in advance without saying they're from the document right like what we talked about last week with the covid catechesis exactly All right, Jerry, it was great to talk to you again, uh, and I look forward to chatting with you again next week about all the news out of the Vatican. Me too, Colleen. Uh, I'm glad you're enjoying life down in Louisiana and look forward to chatting and greetings to all our listeners. Before we go, if you're enjoying Inside the Vatican, maybe you've learned something new, please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcast app. It really helps us get the word out about the show. Inside the Vatican is a production of America Media. This week's episode was produced by Maggie Van Dorn. Production assistance from Robert Balasser at the Jesuit Curia in Rome. You can find in-depth and up-to-date Vatican coverage at americamagazine.org and follow us on Twitter at I-N-S-D-E Vatican Pod. That's inside without the second I, Vatican Pod. You can also email us your questions and comments at insidethevatican at americamedia.org. For America Media with Gerard O'Connell, I'm your host and producer, Colleen Deli. We'll see you next time. Thank you.